Real to Feel, the storytelling playlist podcast, building the soundtrack to your life. I'm Kevin Neal, and I'm here with Jason and B. Capri. Hello. Hey there. It's been a couple weeks since we've all met, and uh, it's been a pretty busy, busy, uh, has it been a couple weeks? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. So it's, it's been very and busy. And it's been very busy. Yeah. yeah. It's been we've a, couple, a lot. busy couple weeks is what I was trying to say. Um, <laughs> Bailey and I, we spent Valentine's Day at uh, a cool little event called Skin Contact that was at a, an adorable boutique called Shampoo. Yeah. Um, Where is that it at? It is on Burnside and like 8th? Something like that. Yeah, 7th or 8th. Okay, in cool. between there. Maybe it's like in a uh, kind it's of a like a little strip mall that's like uh, on the oh, north side near of the Sizzle street. Pie? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right and it was actually on Valentine's Day. It was yes, on February it was on 13th. Day. It was on a Wednesday. <coughs> but it was so cute. The owner of the little boutique, uh, Lars Kemp is her name. And um, she finds these really uh, specific, um, like, vintage. She's very meticulous about finding vintage clothing and then redoing it. Uh, and then she also makes her own clothing. Oh, cool. And oh, it was perfect for Valentine's Day, too. It was uh, ended up being amazing because uh, our last guests, Laura and Joe, mm -hmm. were, part, uh, were two of the vendors mm -hmm. that were at this little uh, event that she was having at her boutique, which was literally... Her, her constant theme is Valentine's Day, basically, because the way that it was decorated was like, this is a Valentine's Day, like Alice in Wonderland almost. Yeah, it was very, a lot of reds and... Uh, and this great pink on the oh wall. Oh, yeah, the light magenta. And the, um, the floors were uh, uh, checkered black and white with like this cool, um, like teal color. I don't know. And... It was so fucking cute. And uh, Joe was there with her elbows. Well, not she, she as elbows catering, mm -hmm. I guess I should say. Uh, she had truffles and brownies that we got. Oh, delicious. wow. Brownies. They were, they delicious. were fucking delicious. Divisive. So yummy. <laughs> uh, I mean, chocolates for, for Valentine's Day. It makes plenty of sense. Yeah, exactly. No, she, yeah, she had both and they were both lovely. We bought both of them, the truffles and the brownies. We didn't, we weren't like, oh, one or the other. We were like, we would like all of mm -hmm. the things here. Thank you. Chocolate. I'll <laughs> Laura, eat that. Yeah. And Laura was pouring wine. Yeah. From ENR yeah. Wine Shop, um, which was really fun. And then I ended up just having like this personal, like, uh, like a like a Mary Kate and Ashley, uh, you know those like tropes that you see in teenage films where girls go to the mall and they like put on all these fun clothes for each other. Mm -hmm. I basically did that for the party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I she like, definitely just tried on a bunch of Lars, all of her designs. Yeah, you tried on so much of her clothing. Probably made her day. It and was so much fun. And then, I mean, we ended up buying a lot of it. Yeah, too. I ended up buying two of her own pieces and then two vintage pieces that she had redone. Yeah. Um, and so. it's so funny because it's like Bailey just fit so well into everything that she made. It's almost like... Thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tailor-made for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like, whoa, this is what fitted, like, tailored clothes fits, like, feels like. And that mm -hmm. felt really special and fun. So we had such a good time with that. Um, yeah, that was a great time. Then we also, we uh, had quite a 
action-packed weekend with a lot of shows. We went to, we've Jason and I found this uh, on Instagram. We found this post from Buck Meek announcing sort of this secret show, a house show. And Buck Meek is the guitarist from Big Thief, yes. which is kind of why it's so notable that we managed to show up at this little show that yeah. he was doing. It was super. Uh, it was definitely like low key because it was it was one of those DM me for details situations, mm-hmm. uh, and it was very cool that I mean he did get back. I mean I don't know how exclusive it was as far as I think he wanted people to show up, but I don't know that they were expecting so many people to kind of show up. Yeah, I don't know if they were either. But it, it was, was like it was very crowded for this little house. Full house, yeah. yeah. A really cute house. I didn't actually get the person's name who th- who hosted it, but... Uh, it oh was, my God, yeah. yeah. He was... Oh man, yeah, I feel really bad about that. He was great. Super nice. Super uh, very nice. That was it was like over on Mississippi area, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, it was I just think. on it was on North Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and so uh I did speak to him a little bit at the end and um he was saying that it was really put on through the Mama Bird recording um group of people who label. are on the Mama Bird label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so That's very cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And he and I know that um they're looking to host more shows like that because a lot of their roster um, is a very intimate sounding mm-hmm. type of music. So at that show, there was uh, there's a few people. Was Taylor Kingman opened the show, and he yeah. is signed to Mama Bird. So and he was, is, he was, I feel like, such an amazing way to open the show. He had uh, he did such a good job, just like holding it on his own. Yeah, setting absolutely. the like setting sure. the tone. Yeah. And then Joshua Thomas, and he was accompanied by Denzel Mendoza on the trombone. Yeah, mm. that was a really cool show. The trombone situation. Yeah, what it, was, a it was such a fun addition. duet. Yeah. yeah. Like, what an interesting and specific duet. And it was really beautiful. And then the headliner, Buck Meek, put on an awesome show. Jason and I. Got front row for sat that. Right sat right in the front <laughs> and just looked up at him. It was the cutest fucking yeah. thing I've ever He's seen. Like, definitely, when I saw them at Pickathon two years ago, I was enamored by Buck's playing style. I I feel like Buck's a guitarist who knows when not to play. I was, which I was talking to Kevin about this a few weeks ago. Like, I th- I think as a guitarist, seeing someone play in such a defining way at like you know so many years into the guitar's existence. Just and finding something striking about someone yeah. was really cool. He's got an uncanny way to like fit his guitar into like behind vocals perfectly. Yeah, like to play with vocals, which really works out in his work with Big Thief. Yeah, which, you know that's where I saw them. But yeah, he was promoting. He's doing. He's promoting his new album, his self-titled, uh, which we I bought at that show. I know Jason, you already own it. Yeah, it came out, um, I believe, in April of last year, in 2018. Yeah, it sounds about so right. It's a, it's a little older, but I know Big Thief was still touring through a lot of mm-hmm. that time period, so I think... Um, and he's currently now doing a tour up the up the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through the Midwest. He's actually going to be in Bloomington, Indiana. That's right. He's got the band now, too. And Twain's opening the show, mm-hmm. which I thought was yeah, really Twain cool. Yeah, Twain accompanied cool. him, right? Yeah, and Twain was playing... Uh, that night. The slide guitar. Yeah. Dude, that was really fucking mm-hmm. cool. It was beautiful. And I just went, you know, I am not nearly, obviously, I've listened to a lot of 
big thief through you guys and I've gone to shows, um, but I'm not nearly as big of a fan. And so, you know, you guys were like super excited about Bug Meek and I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going to go. Like this sounds very cool. And I mean, everybody was so talented. I was just so happy to be in that room to listen to that music. Um, but yeah, I was just really taken with that sliding guitar. Oh yeah, it was that great. Was so yeah, really fucking cool. And that's a perfect segue into Twain, who closed the show. Um, and I would say that was the best. That was sort of the sweetest surprise that's of right. the whole night. Was that's like right. learning, sort of discovering this new artist. Mm-hmm. And he's um, both Buck Meek and Twain are signed to Killed Scales, which is an amazing record label that I. Highly suggest checking out their most of their roster is kind of similar style music, but they've got a few, you know, other things going on. And uh, I, I was really impressed. We both Kevin and I bought Twain records as yeah. well as Kevin bought um, the Buck Meek record and the A sides B sides with yeah. uh, Adrian Linker and Buck Meek. Which that Kevin segues. fanboyed <laughs> out. I did. I spent sixty bucks on vinyl that night. <laughs> Good for you, man. You deserve. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the A-sides, B-sides, yeah. and Adrian Lenker, then the next night we saw Adrian Lenker at Polaris Hall. Mm-hmm. Sold out show. Sold out show. Really cool venue. Also. Actually, a second Never show. Never been there before. Well, it was the first show, but yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I had never, never been, been there before to that event or to that concert hall before. Uh, but to your point, like you said, yeah, it yeah, was sold out show, an added show, and it was uh, yeah, it was added. Actually, the first show was on the following Sunday. That sold out so quickly they opened up a Friday show mm-hmm. at a different venue. So the and so she also played at the old church. Which so two really cool small Super intimate cool venues, uh, sort of hall venues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was awesome. Yeah, that was a, another situation where we pushed our way all the way up, right front row. To Kevin be. really fanboyed out here. I did. He was so excited. He was like Bailey. I wore my Indiana shirt so she that has I could a subliminally song. tell Adrian Lanker to play the song Indiana. She has a song called Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I really, being from Indiana, I went to hear that song. So I wore one of my Indiana University shirts that just says Indiana across it. And it worked. She closed the show with Indiana. Yeah. It was so sweet. The exchange (laughs) was, was, it was one of, Adrian is one of these singers who has this captivating ability to make you feel like you, she's just as invested in you as you are in her. And the exchange between Kevin and kind of the audience as well, who wanted her to, other people wanted her yeah, to play in the end as well. But it was like, the exchange was just like the sweetest thing. It was so honest and genuine. Um, it yeah, uh, she, made my heart smile <laughs> so much. Yeah, it was so fucking sweet. Kevin was like, I wish I had it. I had a little bit of your face on video, but when it first happened, like you're the dumb face that you gave me of like pure happiness and joy <laughs> was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. Makes you feel like a kid. I mean, <laughs> sure. It's yeah. like when your heroes acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we really wanted to go to, I want to give a shout out uh, to Ila Bamba, who sold out a show at Revolution Hall. Which I think is just so cool. Yeah, that's a big venue. It's, yeah, impressive. And it's a 
the best venue in Portland. I would give that. I for really? me, best venue in Portland. Oh wow, wow. I love Revolution Hall. I do. I fucking love. I Revolution enjoy their Hall. balcony setup. I enjoy. I mean, I just enjoy being in a high school. Like, yeah, I just no, think the it's a fun environment. Old high school turned into and a there's, fantastic. There's a We've rooftop seen, bar. There's yep. like three bars in the building. Yep. It's very cool. It's so fucking cool. I, my complaint, um, I will say, and there's really nothing yeah, major with Revolution Hall, is there's not a lot of general standing area. Yeah. So it, for like Ilabamba, yeah. I would have wanted to dance, and I was kind of curious because yeah. they have so much seating. You just yeah. sit. Um, yeah, you and just I've only been to one show there, and I. Thankfully, whenever my the artist I wanted to see started playing, everyone stood up and got to the front, and I was like, "Yes, oh thank you. nice, yeah." <laughs> thank you guys for standing because I was afraid no one was gonna get yeah. up. We saw Yaysayer there, and it was pretty. We sat in the little like um the like level. Up. I don't. I guess it's the balcony. I get, but no, it was like the first floor. But then you know how it's there's like a U shape of yeah. more seats around. Mm-hmm. We were in one of those seats, and we danced for sure. Uh, just yeah. like at, at I mean, our seats, not yeah, like in it is a, a situation crowd of people. Where yeah, you are like in. You're like at your seat. It's, it's general admission, like but there are up. seats, so it's like you just kind of yeah. find a spot. Yeah, then, yeah. It, it's not. Yeah, exactly. But it's kind of nice because yeah. then you can put your coat down or your bag. Or oh whatever. yeah, totally. No, there's a there's some advantages to it for mm-hmm. sure. But great anyway. sound, <laughs> amazing sound, and I'm gonna give you this. <laughs> yeah, Bailey. yeah, yeah. Uh, just like they. Uh, the people who own Mississippi Studios own Revolution Hall. Oh, nice. And really? Mississippi I Studios, I, I think, is one of the better venues for sound sure. in town. Everything sure. just sounds immaculate there. And I think they did they did a lot of acoustic treatment with Revolution Hall that I, you know, from a nerdy point of view, I think it, yeah. just, it is a gorgeous sounding concert hall. Yeah, yeah, um, you yeah. You can tell yeah. the work they put in. So I love that you... You know, acknowledge that so much because I love it. they put yeah. they did put a lot of work into it. Um, but yeah, Ila Bamba sold out a show there uh, that Saturday. Mm-hmm. This was like directly that, after the, weekend the Adrian Linker, and that might have been the day her new album like came the out. eighth, February eighth, something like that. It, uh, we saw on Adrian Linker on February eighth, and then it was the so the exact ni- next okay, Saturday. Gotcha. Yep. The, ninth the ninth is when she did that. But Ila Bamba dropped that record on the on eighth. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Which is really good. Kevin's I really, really, really like that album. Yeah, it uh, is sad but uplifting. It's like sad but fun. It uh, she is like this awesome balance between like dream pop and and like salsa, like. That's yeah, really cool. South we and Central American. Her at the White Owl. It's the White Owl. That's what yeah. it's called. Mm-hmm. The White uh, Owl Social Club. Yeah, yeah, Social Club. We saw them uh, this past summer, and God, she's just like so fucking cool. She's <laughs> she is so cool. She's intimidatingly really, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she's spoke like, Spanish the entire fucking show until the very cool. end. She said like thanks, you know, like whatever. She said something in English, but like the whole show. I think even in the in between, like. Between songs, she spoke Spanish. Yeah, it and was then, just like very cool. Sorry, I'm flashing back to this moment where she like high fived somebody in the front row, and she was like, "I just went for it," and he was like, "Yeah, me too," <laughs> and just like this weird geeky <laughs> like exciting moment of like just engaging with your fans. Yeah, that's so <laughs> cute. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, and she's really like obviously she's really becoming a big deal, which yeah. is cool. She is. That for, seemed to for be a really rather small label, I think, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Abs- uh, with uh, Tender Love. Tender Loving Empire, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so, yeah, Hometown Hero. But we're also very excited. Uh, today's Wednesday. Tomorrow is my birthday. And uh, we're going to go see Sharon Van Eaton, so we'll definitely have to tell you how that was. 
Yeah. Right. So excited for I'm that I'm excited. Yeah. I've been listening to the album. Like the fir- We talked about her and her new album on the show however long ago, a month or so ago. And I hadn't listened to it yet. And I've been listening to it. And man, it is fucking awesome. It is amazing. It's the more awesome. I listen to it, it, it is. It just, just gets, gets better. better. It yeah. just <laughs> fucking gets better. I'm like, I want to listen to this again. Like, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. No, I cannot wait. I'm so yeah. still tomorrow's yeah. show. Yeah. is really glad to hear so that. exciting. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I feel like we, you guys kind of bought the tickets on a whim to like, Give yourself like a you know something to kind of do, do for your birthday. On my birthday, yeah. Like, why the fuck and not? then like I'm so happy to hear how much you're into it because I yeah, yeah. I've been listening to it this past week. Like God dang, can't put it's this fucking intense too. It's like gets you oof in the heart. It gets I'm gonna have to listen heart. to it today. I feel like I haven't listened to it in like maybe a week or two. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's probably been that long for me. We should listen to it again. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, we're going tomorrow. So we've got a very fun episode for you this week. Uh, our guest is Reed Calder, a young filmmaker here in Portland. Uh, which is very timely, seeing as the Oscars were just last night. So uh, this is our art house film episode. We tried something a little new with the, we played with the prompts a little bit, tried a sort of a new fun format, and uh, it was it turned out it was a lot of fun. This so I'm really so excited, fun. really excited for you guys to hear it, and hopefully you're into it. And uh, so yeah, with no further delay we'll just uh we'll take a break and then we'll come back and introduce reed all right welcome back we are back here with real to feel and we are joined now with reed calder a young filmmaker located here in portland hello hello hey and there what's up man <laughs> doing great <laughs> doing amazing <laughs> reed has released two new projects here in the past few months a short film called my island's a little strange about the place that he grew up uh, you released that right before the new year. And just a couple weeks ago, you released a very powerful music video for a song by Isaac Nielsen called Rain. And uh, I'm going to start with Rain. Um, this is a music video that I would describe as very atmospheric. It's very, it's a very somber song. It's shot um, in black and white using a lot of high contrast lighting and... Uh, Got a lot of ambient noise. Um, and that, to me, makes it a very powerful and emotive sort of short film. Um, so I guess what I w- want to know is what feeling were you trying to project with this film? What, for you, is it sort of about? Heaviness and probably might as well just cut straight to depression mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. aloneness. Yeah. Um, Isaac first showed me the track, and it was pretty undeveloped. It was just a some kind of a guitar plucking with a lot of reverb, and there was some rain in the background. And um, as I was thinking about concepts for it in my head, uh, a week or so later he came to me and he added like kind of a beat under it in the background, and I told him to cut it out and go right back to the original form because it was just so simple and gave off such like a specific mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing more and nothing less. It was just a yeah. bullseye on uh, a specific feeling. I would definitely I feel like a uh, any mm-hmm. kind of beat or like rhythm section definitely mm-hmm. would like pull out that. Like cuz again without it it becomes this very atmospheric, very ambient. Uh, and you notice it's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too. It's like, "Whoa, 
this is so bare bones and yeah. so and the rain is rhythmic in its own way. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna actually ask you if the rain was your was, di- was your addition or, or was it part of the track? Right, so it is right. interesting right. to know yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah. part of the original track. Totally agreed. I did not realize that. I assumed it was something added for the visuals. I don't mm-hmm. know why I felt that way, but I did. And uh, that's really cool. So that's part of the actual song. Yeah, if the rain wasn't there in the original track, the music video probably would be much different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't be called rain, I guess. That's a really good, um, good point. Is, so is that, do you know if that rain sound, that's just something made on a soundboard? That wasn't like just, recorded rain. It was recorded. Oh, really oh, that's cool. cool. Portland, yeah. Yeah. And then he added that. He, like, yeah, he on had a, a task cam and he went outside her house and he that's so cool. went next nice. to the gutter and recorded it's it. So Portland, that's guys. So the song cool. is Portland. Yeah. It is, yeah. I, I liked that a lot too because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to improve my sound design and stuff. And I was like, you didn't just go on freesound.org and download <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's like, no. I well, there's, got all right. There's something more authentic to capturing and the control that you have over a sound from, you know, as you record it, mm-hmm. especially if you know your microphones or something like mm-hmm. that, you just, you have a certain amount of control. And even and if you don't, even if you're design. not working with like analog synths and all nine yards, just doing something yourself makes it so mm-hmm. much more yeah. special. So you mentioned uh, that it's about like being alone. And I felt that it was sort of, I, What's interesting is that this was a together project. And, and I don't know if you just find that people maybe gravitate towards you in this way. Um, and maybe this is putting a lot on you. But I felt like in all of your work, uh, really, there was a certain um, essence of isolation. Even in the one, the, um, the one that you released, what, a month ago. What's it called again? I'm sorry. My, My island's, island's a little strange. Yeah, that one, I felt like, same thing. Uh, isolation was like a common theme. That's that a I common theme on. of my life, honestly, yeah. which yeah. is crazy that you say that. I'm a single child. Um, I've always been an extreme introvert, always found myself in my bedroom alone for mm-hmm. probably a majority of my life, even with amazing friends right on the other side of the door, but choosing to be alone in mm-hmm. my room, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Sure. Yeah. Um but yeah, I really like personal things and what people are like when they're alone, I guess. Yeah, and because they're different. It's you're a, yeah. so different when you're alone compared to how you are with other people. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, aren't you always sort of putting on some sort of mask to, pr- to be presented to the rest of the world? And when you're alone, you are... A lot of times you don't even realize if you're like in a bad mood or not when you're alone. Unless someone else comes into the space. That's absolutely true. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm actually in a really fucking bad mood. <laughs> I didn't know that until another person was here. And I, like, got that vibe, you know? Because yeah. you, per- you, they are perceiving you and then projecting you back onto yourself a lot that's of the interesting. time. I mean, anyway, that's... Um, I really loved your... the My Island's a Little Strange, mostly because, yes, it's about where you're from, which is where... Woodby Island, Washington. Okay. Langley. Okay. And this is like you have to take a ferry to get to the mainland. Yes. Which is crazy. Isolation. Isolation. Very isolated. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, to me, like, yes, there's all these other themes going on. But to me, it's about home and where you're from. Right? Very, very and bittersweet. Very emotional. Moving away than 
just all of that came from my head, which was weird because you live there for 18 years and yeah. nothing's in your head. It's right in front of you. Yeah. And it's like, why would I have to think about that? I can just look at it. Yeah. But then fast forward a couple of years and everything is different and everything that you're creating this film from is from memory. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's way wow. different. That way is, different. That is definitely what I took. I very much felt like you were trying to show what this <clears throat> what this place looked like when you were at, like through the eyes of a child. Yeah. How it looks. It's a very magical place through the eyes of a child. But then it definitely also came through that like you were trying to convey that as you grow older, everything loses its luster. Mm-hmm. And Which I think can relate to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's just extremely apparent when you live on an island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a small it's town with a high school of 600 kids. That's nuts. Yeah. And yeah. probably growing up knowing everybody everyone yeah everyone's mom that you see in town yeah yeah that's oh man that is something kind of there's something special and like specific about that something super specific about that and i think too just to add a little bit more it's like all of us can relate to that idea of like there's a certain pridefulness uh and then sometimes there's a certain shame to where you're from and I think that you, there's pieces, of, you just really brought that out to me. Like I just wanted to lay it all out and let the viewer decide on what's, what it is, what you need to be shameful from or what you need to be proud of. Like exactly. I'm just trying to show you the whole card set and yeah. you can decide what cards you want to look at specifically. Exactly. Yeah. I want to talk about some of your inspirations uh, as far as like directors or movies that you've seen that you, or, or shows that you've seen or anything, uh, what inspires you? What inspires me? For somebody that's in my shoes, I think it would typically be um, a lot of Hollywood films, but growing up in the generation I did, I'd say almost 50% of my inspirations are probably just from YouTube and um, Vimeo films and small things that, you watch in three minutes and you get a certain feeling from it, then you never watch it again. Um, just little little mood pieces. Um, I've always been a big cinematographer. That's always been my, my forte, getting a DSLR when I was 16 and then discovering the um, video option on it and realizing the power of moving pictures and how it's so much different. I'm I still I haven't been into photography for a year or so now and I'm really missing it cuz it's just so easy and simple. Mm-hmm. And film is so colossal and difficult at times and there's so many moving pieces but I'll get back to your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked that. Which is inspirations. Um I think the first director I ever really started looking up and looked at their films and started crossing them off one by one is Stanley Kubrick, which I think relates to a lot of people. You might as well start with the greatest. And yeah. And as far as like cinematography, he is the sort of, he's the, the godfather. Like he's the most important, one of the most important cinematographers of the Mm -hmm. 20th century. The more and more I, um, grow as a filmmaker um the more and more i just respect 
probably his structure and pacing more than his cinematography per se. Um, just his stories are incredible and the way he goes about them. Um, his cinematography is just so epic. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I don't think I could ever see myself making something so grand scale. Well, you know, he's, he's the kind of director who makes it about the science of photography. He's pushing that limit of, like, how, like, perfect can you... Like, you know, he's somebody who, like, has custom lenses built to give him, like, super small apertures so that he NASA. can, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah, doing... Barry yeah. Lyndon, yeah. Um, right now, I'm trying to make the huge jump from DP editor to writer-director. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on a script. I'm in a script writing class, and uh, I'm trying to flesh out good structure and character development because I've never focused on that. I've always just focused on putting a pretty picture and a cool cut in front of the viewer, and now I'm trying to develop good story mechanics and stuff because I think uh, that will really last in my career. And so you brought up uh, Stanley Kubrick and Long Takes. And another writer, or not writer, but director that I look up to a lot is David Fincher. Mm -hmm. mm. And um, how he is just the epitome of resilience and just like, I know what I want and I am getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's precision. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. watching or listening to something he was talking about how actors... Um, when he works with actors, he they have their character and they study him for a solid amount of time and they come in and he says, all right, so let's start shooting and they start going through takes and he says he doesn't even really pay attention to takes up until take 20 or so and he's like, wow. okay, so now that you've gotten what you want out of the way, let's get down to business <laughs> because yeah. I know what I want wow. right? and nothing is getting in the way of that. And that wow. is... Certainly, like, I think something people would say about Kubrick, too. But I think mm -hmm. the thing is, Kubrick never told anybody what he was looking for. He was yeah. just, like... Just hoping it would happen. It. And yeah. then would, like, wait Famously, for that Jack Nicholson, like, lost it with Kubrick. Because he was like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what? we've done this, like, so many times. I don't know what you want. He probably didn't know what he wanted either. Right. He yeah, he's like, I'm he waiting like, for it. I just yeah. want it's you just to not do right. it, and then I'll be happy with that. <laughs> Um, as far as you mentioned that you've been doing, well, you mentioned a little bit David Fincher and as far as like r learning story and dialogue in that process, mm -hmm. uh, who, who, what other, you know, directors, people, whoever do you look up to when it comes like to in that? Entertainment in general. It's yeah. I was, um, style. I don't have a lot of film knowledge outside of being a student of film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I watch movies pretty casually, mm -hmm. um, but so through that, I can pick very specific things. And a specific film I watched recently was Roma by Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. That blew me away. Really? Yeah. I saw that at uh, Hollywood Theater. Nice. That's awesome. And yeah. Holy shit. Um, this I didn't know it was playing there. That would, yeah. I would love to see it there. Yeah. The screen is um, so big at Hollywood, and it's even got a curve to it. We were talking Our about own cinematography from it was extremely, everything was super wide and extremely, the depth of field was extremely deep and there's so much detail. And on that screen, it was like, 
holy shit, I can't believe people are at home watching this on Netflix on it's, their 24 yeah. right? kind of And that's what do we tried to watch it on Netflix yeah. and we ended up just falling asleep. We weren't the in important that part is you watch it, but yeah, it's crazy how much it changes based on viewing experience. Well, Absolutely. we were talking about earlier, it was, it's so important to view a movie in a theater sometimes because it is this, uh, it's this, comp- you give your whole attention to a film. It's in a, a certain theater. type of immersion. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood theater actually has like one of the largest 70 millimeter film project, like mm-hmm. screens in the country. It's like mm-hmm. one of the nicest 70 millimeter theaters in the whole country. We were just talking about Kubrick, and I remember seeing uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, so jealous. When it came to town a month or two ago. That's so cool. Wow. Kevin really wanted to do that. It was incredible. I don't know if I I think they're doing a fundraiser (laughs) to buy a permanent copy of that. That would be awesome. I'm sure that would not be cheap. It's probably a pretty big fundraiser. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start digging into the game portion of the show. Um, before the show, we were talking about you. We asked you some of your favorite directors. We talked about some of them just now, but uh, you said some directors: Paul Thomas Anderson, Tarantino, Coen Brothers, Kubrick. Um, so for tonight's theme, we're going to do art house film, and together we're going to try and create a film, or um, more specifically, like a film sound, a film soundtrack that is inspired by the more iconic scenes from some of the directors that you uh, shared with us. Um, And we've got sort of some selected scenes by these directors based on their most iconic sort of uses of music is really how we selected these scenes. Um, So each prompt is going to be a scene that we want in our film. Um, We're not remaking these scenes or recreating them necessarily, but we are trying to... uh, We're making our own movie that is paying homage to these directors is what I is. So uh, there's no restriction. It's not like a direct shot for shot remake, but sort of, you know, how would you do this scene? Um, like just from the music point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you can also give us some oh, yeah, bullet points can. on how you would storyboard it or whatever, but yeah. I don't that's know. However what you want to answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, basically, like, uh, the reason that we picked these is because they are famous, like, music-driven scenes in these movies uh, of these directors that you're into. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why we thought it would be fun. And build a playlist from that, so... Okay, so now this is for Reed. Uh, This is dancing in your underwear because your parents have left you alone and you're in charge of the house for an irresponsible amount of time. You may have seen this type of scene sometimes out there on the interweb. Something comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, too, because this is one we didn't actually take from one of your suggestions of directors you like, but it was uh, such an iconic scene. It felt like, as far <laughs> we as had to put it in music that. scenes go, it felt irresponsible to not include this. <laughs> because it's a f- so iconic when it comes... 
for whatever reason, I'm kind of unclear as to why. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You usually put a song behind video in a film to reinforce some kind of feeling. And it's almost like they put video behind a song it's in this because mm-hmm. the song almost is exactly everything. Almost exactly like that. It's that almost like they're like, all right, we got this song. Uh, what are we going to have Tom Cruise do? All right, fucking <laughs> make him, uh, shit. Dance around in your underwear. People will love it. So That's so good. I think I'm speaking for a lot of other people in my generation when I say uh, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. Oh, my goodness. And I if my that. home had good surround sound and my parents were out of town, Nice. And there was a bass option on this thing wow. on, on the receiver. On this. Then uh, this would this is what would be echoing through the halls in my home Absolutely. while my parents are out of town. Absolutely. Probably this whole album, but this song is just so. <laughs> no, this song's so hard. Like this, I'd be screaming every lyric for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fucking absolutely. Hell yeah. My I, dog would be under the couch. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you mad at me? Are you gonna? Yeah. Are you gonna hurt me? Are you about to go ape shit on me right now? Um, it's interesting because we were talking about isolation. I love that you got this question because we were talking about isolation earlier, and it sounds like you do. You spend a lot of time alone, and so. Yeah you've probably had these moments where it's like, I'm just kind of about to like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be alone and I'm going to be exactly who I'm going to be. But you're also really feeling yourself. Like you're really feeling, which isn't always the case Uh when you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. This is an exception. Yeah, absolutely. It's really great. I'm putting on Matt city. Ah. It's the, today's an exception. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm really, ah, feeling it. I put on mad city. Today's going to be a good day. A good day. Yeah. So a good white suburban kid day. <laughs> so, f- so for this, like when you're dancing around, like, is this what you imagined yourself dancing around to you? Or like if you had a movie where you were able to like have a scene that kind of like maybe let's say mimicked that or in some shape or way, or, you know, where you were given some film assignment to do something like that, like where you, you would play I something like this? I would definitely put this song um, in a film with a kid being home alone because every generation has the duty to put what they went through and uh, what's important to them in the milestones of film, just like people who work in music do, like all the sounds that they listen to and feel they have a duty to put them in their song so they're archived forever. And um, I think there needs to be a film with Mad City by Kendrick Lamar in, <laughs> yeah. in the Smithsonian in a film that was created. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. the so kind good. of satirical nature, too, of it specifically being like a white suburban kid. It has to be. It has to be. Because it's yeah. like it can't be. It hilarious, can't be. you know, that it's like, and this kid's just like, I'm alone in my safe neighborhood and my parents are just happy to be out of the town. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I'm going to play this hard shit. Like, I just, I love the comedy of that. And he's going to look out the blinds every once in a while to make sure that none of the neighbors (laughs) can hear it. Exactly. It's so brutal. So he's going to play it as loud as possible without it being that loud. That loud. Because he won't, no, 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 no. His his parents are coming home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you don't want the other parents telling his parents. And they will. 
he was playing good some neighborhood. very inappropriate music. It's a good kid, quite Matt City. loudly. <laughs> oh, that's such a that's so great. I I like can visualize just this whole picture y'all have created. Yeah, right. Definitely. Isn't it great? Hardwood it's floors so sliding down the hall in socks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On the second yuck, story. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's amazing. Oh, wow. I love it. Question is going to be for Jason. So you've just murdered someone <laughs> and now have to dispose of the body in a gruesome way. Okay, this reminds me of the scene in Fargo. <laughs> but nice. Does uh, it really? What? <laughs> we yeah, weren't even thinking that. <laughs> that. That's crazy because that's what I imagined. Um, you all know the scene in reference? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so the song I heard is Dr. Hook's Come On Carrie. Um, okay. It's like a triumphant song about, um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to make it, but maybe with, maybe like you could carry me the rest of the way. But for some reason, whenever he like murdered someone very close to them, and if I imagine, you know, I killed Kevin and I'm putting him through a wood chipper, <laughs> this would be just like maybe the opposite of the right song to play, but it just sounded so fitting at the same time. So first of all, what did Kevin do to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What should Kevin avoid doing? It was too nice. That's what it was. To not be put <laughs> through a wood chipper. So the, the song has like a natural heartbeat sound to it, which almost was just... Yeah. And he's just... It just sounds... Like yes. he's whimpering, and it's like almost a sound of like, oh my god, I killed someone really important to me, or that wow. matters at all to me, and and now I have to actually deal with the consequences firsthand by trying to make sure like I don't go down for this shit also. Mm-hmm. And so this song just kind of drove me there. It's it, super reflective, like you're saying. It's you're reflecting, and it's like painful and it's like i had i had to do this <laughs> i definitely like the idea like i see in my head jason like standing out in the cold smoking a cigarette and then like limb by limb stuffing it into a wood chipper like while this <laughs> song is playing it's just like and just like taking a moment you know and like it starts out sort of a close-up on your face and you're like just smoking a cigarette and then it like slowly pulls out and you're just like standing in front of a wood chipper just kind of like putting my body piece by piece <laughs> disposing of it just in this calm collected but like you know like you feel it internally way. yeah yeah it's very introspective but you know you that's the life you live now <laughs> like you, you've committed yeah, you to the fact that decision yeah. man and like you're like well do i want to turn myself in and if you decide not to turn yourself in the only other option is like oh this is who i am now yeah. you're living with that yeah. shit <laughs> i'm on the run i i'm going to mm-hmm. kill i'm going to shove this through here and then i have to run away i have to get as far away from here as possible this is my new life no i dig that it's a very cohen brother honestly it's a very cohen it brother does choice. sound like it's like uh what is it my it's dramatic mm-hmm. it's a very dramatic song it's heartfelt yeah it's very heartfelt mm-hmm. and it's like this band was kind of a funny band that was sh- like shell silverstein the p- the writer and poet this he picked them out to be like the band that performed the songs that he wrote. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Shel Silverstein, what a throwback. Oh. Yeah, wow. and so that's kind of like, that was how they got kind of their 
start. I don't know if Shel Silverstein wrote this. They have a bunch of songs of their own, but my grandpa listened to this shit, and it, I don't know. Whenever <laughs> I watched that, it just reminded me of it. So. All right, so moving on. Next one is for Reed. So the prompt is, our protagonist fights 100 ninjas. So I'm, we're looking for a scene like Kill Bill Volume 1. I want something like very action-packed, highly choreographed, fun fight scene. I watched Kill Bill. Kill Bill is definitely the most recent Tarantino movie I've seen. Wow. So I watched it again Perfect. with um, <laughs> my girlfriend and my roommate who hadn't seen it before. Nice. And re-watching it, like, holy shit, that movie is outdated. Yeah, in like really the best is. way, but <laughs> yeah. there's like like for instance the hundred ninja, hundred ninjas fighting scene is mind blowing. Uh, then his transition shots where he's transitioning him to somewhere in Asia or somewhere like that, he just shows a picture of the globe and a plane with dots behind yeah. it, and it f- going from America to <laughs> and like like it was made in like. PowerPoint or something. <laughs> it's like, holy sh- wow. He is like goofy and satirical that way, I feel like. Um, but man, but also it was amazing. It's like, yeah. So it's I'm like, really glad I got this one. Um, I chose jealous. a song by the name of Ultimate by Denzel Curry. Oh, but nice. it's the collaboration he did with Bad Bad Not Good. Ooh, That's I love a so specific and, um, one. It I, I, makes all the difference for I mean, this I, instance. Wow. I'm not going to... I mean, I have a Bad Bad Not Good song on my list, too. So that's no kidding. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I love I, that. I love Bad Bad Not Good. This it's, collaboration between Denzel Curry so and for this. Bad Bad Not Good is... What's your reasoning? What's... What's the purpose of killing in this movie with this song playing? What's this person's reason for killing a hundred ninjas or a hundred people or a hundred men or a hundred whoever? Is this my movie now? <laughs> yeah, of it's course, your it's your movie. It's your movie. This is your scene. Yeah. What's the song's like motivation? You know? Yeah. What does exactly. Song Why rein- would you? What motivation does the song reinforce? You know? Yeah. Just fucking anger. <laughs> <laughs> Aggression. There's nothing left to lose. The last ounce of being you have, but it's so much more than somebody's full ounce of being because it's all you have, and you could rip through a hundred ninjas with it. Yeah, I feel like there's also this definite confidence with this. uh, Like that first line is like something like "I am the." He says something really badass. I'm not sure. But it's his lyricism in this is like so hard to pick up on. But I remember. Him breaking it down, and it's really impressive. I am the one, don't weigh a ton. Don't need a gun to get respect up on the street. And that is, like, I feel like this song is, like, respect me. Yeah. And, like, it is, like, I'm going to cut through all of you. And I don't need a gun. Yeah. yeah. I don't even need a gun. I got this big-ass samurai sword. It's amazing, yeah, that you managed (laughs) to pick something that, like, so, like, articulates directly not (laughs) Mm -hmm. having a gun. And also, just the jazz aspect of the song with Bad, Bad, Not Good adds so much to the ninja, like, hand-to-hand Definitely. I think aspect of it. There's a very uh, specific, like, rhythm to the song that you can see yes. just somebody, like, dance, yes. or not, I'm sorry, fight choreography, too. Like, yes. But also like, dance. It's yeah. choreography yeah. in that fighting in general sword play is dance and so is jazz yeah and i think they go hand in hand perfectly. oh wow that's so and true. with denzel's pattern 
Yeah, his flow. Spitting. Mm-hmm. And, and Bad Bad Not Good, just to me, uh, I love them as a backing band for uh, hip-hop artists. And they know who to back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They back the best people. Yeah, they did that whole album with Ghostface Killer. That's yeah, it was incredible. incredible. Yeah, and the, the instrumentals from it. I mean, the instrumental album alone is just worth listening to. And then you know, you <laughs> and then they got Ghostface. They released both of them. Yeah, and it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as like going back to um the pace of it, right? It's like and you talking about get, like kind of giving you that confidence. Or you have not you have nothing left, and this is like. This is all, you, or you know, this is all you have. I guess is what I'm saying. You're putting every, not that you have nothing left, but like everything that you do have left, you're putting into this fight. Uh, that pacing of like dun 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 dun, dun you know that like. And very, that's what adrenaline sounds like. That, like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It the heartbeat of, in the yeah. The heartbeat, exactly. Like that fast pace of like here we go, and it's like mm-hmm. bum 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 bum, and you're just like cutting through people, man, man, man. You know, there's that so. one like particular scene whenever she slices and like the neck goes or in the neck and it's just like blood. Slurry. Yeah, it's like so so good. iconic. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That fight yep. scene and then he he splits it up into that silhouette um, when they're upstairs. Yeah, it's on the, the other lighting side. and everything changes. He knows exactly when it's starting to get repetitive and he completely changes mm-hmm. everything about it. Uh, so Kevin. Dance competition at a novelty restaurant. You, this might sound mine's okay. Familiar? Oh, really? Okay. Uh, this is a uh, Pulp Fiction reference. So, to me, I really wanted to modernize this scene. I love the idea of a dance competition. I felt the same way. <clears throat> and I do want to think about uh, how, like, what would I really love to see some people like dance off to? Mm-hmm. And to me, I went for. A song that really taught me that, like, anybody can dance. It's, like, the first song yeah. I can remember dancing to at, like, a school dance and being like, I get it. I get how you can dance. What year I get was how this? to work with dancing. Um, in No, what year would you have been dancing to that? I think yeah, it's yeah, more what than, is like, the, like, in like high school. Like, 2003. Okay. okay. I feel yeah. like 2004. It doesn't have to be a specific year, but a time. Yeah, period. yeah, yeah. Like, early, my freshman year of, like, high school. Freshman, sophomore year of high school. Okay. Like, uh, 2003. Three two thousand four, and you're like figure, and that's the most. I mean, come on, you're coming out of your most awkward years and mm-hmm. still in. And realizing, a very like, also time this is a time where like most dancing was bumping and grinding. Oh my god, yeah. And it's like I look funny when a girl just like is grinding on me. Like I feel very out of place. Can we go like, home and do this? Do we <laughs> yeah. have to do this around <laughs> yeah. everyone else? This is Why weird. do we have yeah, to do right? this exactly. in front of everybody? Like I. <sighs> You I don't, don't even want to. I don't think I look good when I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're like fine with doing this in public. Right. <laughs> so this song is the first song that made me realize like anybody can dance, and it is Outcasts. Hey ya. Fuck no, I love yeah. this answer. Very good. And I love Such the idea answer. of like two people on a dance floor, and that's just like one, two, three, four, My and then just like so they all of a sudden just There's like in no unison are like sort of dancing around each other, clapping. And you yeah, don't hear that and hesitate. It's like, right, all exactly. right, this is fucking happening. Here we go. Yeah. Like maybe there were some shitty songs on before and you're standing in the corner, but as soon as this shit comes on, it's like, 
Okay. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> right? we're all it's doing happening. this. We're all going to dance now. Yeah, exactly. I fucking so hate good. you guys, but this is happening yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, so as good. far as like relating it to that scene, it's not like they're even. The thing that makes that scene so great is that they're both 100%. Right, exactly. Uma Thurman is yes. like, bring it. Bring and it. And John Travolta gets on that dance floor. He's like, all right. I'm and then all of a sudden, he's a fucking dancing machine. And yeah. It's like, oh, wow. And it's not <laughs> even like, you really look at their dance moves, and it's not like anything no, it, impressive. It's kind of bad. It's I mean, it's kind of bad, bad dancing, especially John Travolta. But the thing is, is his free, he feels so free exactly. and careless. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this song exudes that so much. The, exactly. The, the real feelings behind what's actually happening on screen. Like you can remove the movie itself and it's more like we've all experienced that on the dance floor. I mean, and again, that lack of hesitation floor. I think is huge too, that it just starts boom, yeah. dance, go, you know, and it's There's a no beat that is just automatic. Everybody can feel that like right down their spine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 And you just like jump around. You just kind of mm-hmm. jump around, and it's like it's fine. Yeah. You're dancing. Good for you. Like you, you can't did it. fuck this up. You can't fuck it up. You're just you know shake it. Just get up there shake and it, dance yeah. and shake it like a fucking Polaroid picture. <laughs> no, I dig it. You're not grinding to this shit. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're exactly. fucking hopping around. You're just yeah. hopping around. You're just dancing around, and everyone is just doing that, and it's. Like, fun. It's more communal than, like, that sort of, like, traditional middle school, early high school sort of, like, sexual awakening grinding thing that you end up doing. (laughs) so true. (laughs) But, you know, we all participated. It is what it is, you guys. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be too embarrassed. Um, Yeah, no, I love this answer. All right, so... The prompt is self-mutilation in front of <laughs> bathroom mirror, a la the suicide scene from Royal Tenenbaums, or attempted suicide scene. I chose the song um, The Big Gloom by Have a Nice Life, which is uh, from the album Death Consciousness, which I listen to at least once a week on the bus while staring out the window and watching the world fly by me. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Just to paint a little picture for you. Oof. This is a song that I would love to put in a film, though. It's like an eight-minute song, and it's a shame to listen to it without listening all the way through. It's one of those. And um, the mantra of it is, please, please, please release me. Oh, shit. Talk and the drop suicide. of it is just like, once you listen to it for like three minutes, so then it just kind of starts breaking down and it hits again. It's like the heaviest. If I was going to kill myself, I'd probably kill myself to this song. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got a lot of movement. I, I mean, do The beginning is so much different. From <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it begins and it's like, holy shit, wow. Where's this going? This mm-hmm. couldn't get deeper. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> and then it gets deeper. And then it's like, this guy's, oh my God, this guy yeah. is killing himself. Holy shit. Why this guy is, why is killing yeah. himself. This is. Just <sighs> well, he's just staring at himself in the me. mirror in the bathroom. So, yeah, it, if you were to create and choreograph your own like suicide scene for a character in a movie and this song was playing, you know, would it be the same like self mutilation scene where it's like, you know, slitting your wrists or yeah. shaving your you head know, and then. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Hmm. Or gun or drugs. I mean, because there's so many different ways I've seen suicide <laughs> be taken in movies. Absolutely. But the way I really like is. things being shown that way is, like Tarantino says, you grab the rubber band and you start stretching it and Ooh. stretching it and stretching it and stretch it as long as you physically can before it snaps because you have to see how long you can stretch it because that's what makes good tension. Yeah. Um, oh. And if I was going to show a suicide scene of sorts i always respect when um there's a certain maturity brought up with stuff like that and it's um drawn out extremely heavily and i like putting the audience on the spot a lot yeah mm -hmm. and making them uncomfortable and mm -hmm. i try not to think about who my audience is because i know it's just my friends on facebook and my mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> if I think of it that way, I'm not going to make the things I want to make. So Absolutely. Yeah. I just act like it's people who love the craft of film and watch things that I watch mm -hmm. and respect wow. things that I respect. Mm -hmm. So I like to make, I'd love to make something extremely mature and um, drawn out. And then probably when the suicide itself, I'd probably show every breath taken up until the suicide. And then... I like building the tension and tension and tension and tension until it climaxes. And then I love doing just like a really hard cut to the aftermath, mm -hmm. which is pretty common in mm -hmm. film. But yeah. I think it's kind of a more something that you see from people who have been doing stuff for a long time. Like they show the act, the really heavy act, and then they do that for a couple of movies. And then it's like, so what's next? And usually what's next is cutting around it because it can be even more powerful mm -hmm. of showing the aftermath instead of showing the act itself happening. Wow. Instead of showing you shooting yourself in the head. Yeah. Somebody you finding. show somebody staring at themselves in the mirror yeah. with a gun pointed at their temple. For like an breathing for of time. a really long amount of time and the music climaxing. And then you cut mm -hmm. to their mom the next day mm -hmm. with tears in her eyes. Yeah. And you yeah. put the two pieces together. Jesus. So I want to yes. say, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I kind of want to relate it to your Death Dealer film mm. a little bit because I think you do that. Uh, you do a version of that, uh, in that in that short film. It's basically, just for those of you that haven't seen it, you should go see it. Uh, it's only a few minutes, so take a couple minutes out of your life while you're on Instagram and check it out. Um Basically, it's, you know, this it seems like a, some sort of drug deal is going on. Immediately, the, the dealer murders the person buying whatever it is. Or at least that's what it's made to look. I, again, it kind of, there's a little bit of a twist at the end. Watch it. But the point is, he then goes into that isolation, right, of being alone and being very paranoid about killing somebody. Uh -huh. Because that's, I mean, that puts you into a certain place. Like what we were saying, just as far as mur making that decision to murder somebody. Um, and that tension that you feel of him, like, being in isolation. And, like, getting, you hear the phone, like, the text messages coming in. And there's that tension of, like, what's going on? What's going on? And him just being very paranoid and you feeling that paranoia. And then you getting uh, these pictures of this murder are sent to his phone. So I want to 
spoil the whole film. So if you haven't yeah. seen it, go watch it right now. Please. Vimeo.com backslash Reed Calder, Death Dealer. Um, the first scene that you see is the last scene. So okay. what it cuts to after that of him watching Friends is the first scene of the film. And nothing okay. has happened yet. It's oh. just a normal Tuesday night. And he gets a text message like, hey, did you hear about what happened? Are you okay? Oh. And then it cuts to him in the bathroom when he has a breakdown. And you put pieces together and you realize he's heard what's happened in which his significant other or somebody he cares about has yeah. been murdered. And um, then cuts to him dealing with grief. He's laying in bed and he's getting text messages over and over again from God who knows, but he doesn't give a shit. He's yeah. just staring at the ceiling. And then um, we see the the pictures of the murder Mm-hmm. and that's what leads him to do uh, then oh there so was i so I this project i did about a year ago okay and it was i was so proud of myself because i went on my notes app on my iphone and actually figured out how stories are made and i made three acts and i was like whoa i made a short film <laughs> yeah and, absolutely uh, nice. it's crazy that was a year ago i feel like it I could have made that four years ago. <laughs> um, but he gets those pictures, and I did some sound design where it's climaxing, and the pictures come in faster and faster and faster. And then they climax, and then there's one last ding, as in a picture, but we don't see what it is. Mm-hmm. We just hear his reaction, which is, I know him. And then that loops back to the I beginning see. where he kills someone. Kills somebody. And mm-hmm. supposedly that picture is a picture of the person that I he's see. selling the drugs to that killed his significant. I got it. I got it. I got it. I was yeah, like, yeah, whoa, yeah. I made a plot twist. Yeah. And it was. It was definitely yeah. a plot twist. And But again, to the point of like that tension and just and showing kind of the aftermath and not really focusing on the actual like goriness of mm-hmm. the death you know what yeah. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah i just i see that your explanation makes a lot of sense with the work that you've made as far as like i've seen that in your work you seem you you have taken that rubber band concept and actually utilized it which is impressive so you know congrats thank you <laughs> all right so my next question is for Bailey. Choose a voter. Everyone else puts their answer in. Bailey? I want Reed to be the voter. Nice. Oh. Okay. Fun. Okay. All the... Wow, I don't think all we've right. ever done this. I know. <laughs> all the hosts... All the hosts all, are going to oh put Oh, gosh. In. All of us against each other. I'm gonna, so, wow. I'm this is a real to feel head-to-head. No pressure, Reed, <laughs> yeah. but What's we might all hate each Who's other Who's the most this? talented so host? So all three of us are going to give you our answer, and you're going to vote. Everyone wins. Read, goddammit. The audience. Don't be. Two of you are washed up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, no gray, black, or white. <laughs> Since this is my question to read, I'm going to read it for myself, Kevin, and Bailey to all go head to head. And it is someone getting dressed for revenge. Oh, oh man. God. It's crazy that it's this one. Similar it to the scene in Inglorious Bastards. Everyone go. <sighs> okay, so this is Bailey goes first. 
Kevin, then me. Completely insane that this one got it. Okay, so I actually really struggled with this one. I actually watched Inglorious Bastards basically for the first time to be able to answer this fucking question. No way. I made all of my, I put got all of my answers together and I just really was tripping over this one and I was like you know what I need context. So I sat down and I watched Inglorious Bastards. Now, I have technically tried to watch it before. It was in kind of a weird environment and I only got mm, a quarter through it and ended up bailing on the situation. I was like with family and I don't know, we just it was like I am not that interested in watching this with these people. <laughs> and so I basically left it alone. I never seen the ending. You know, I, again, I only made it maybe a quarter through, so I, I really didn't have context. Okay. <clears throat> I watched it for to, to get an answer. Um, what I really realized is that, my God, okay, this is a song about, this is real revenge. This is a song, this is, this woman, this... <sighs> She's literally about to end a war. She's about to be the reason that a war is ending. Um, also, she is about to get revenge on the people that murdered her family. Like, specifically, the man that was the reason for her family getting killed. She gets to kill this person and end a war. The person who killed her, like, pulled the trigger. And, yeah, pulled the, yeah, like, said... Go. These people. Kill them. Uh, amazing it, scene. Amazing scene. And she is... And it is a David Bowie song that's playing called, like, Cat People or something. But what is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to give you... I, I just want everyone to understand that this song, that song, is the perfect song for that scene, for that feeling. Revenge. And I really struggled because... But what if to, you wrote this? If you try to look up, that's the thing. If you try to look up revenge songs, they're almost always about a loved one breaking your heart. And that is not what this scene is about. This is not about a loved one breaking your heart. This is about, I want revenge. So I really struggled with that. Um, and... Finally, what I got to was I want it to be something that is that same sort of, um, you know, she is Jewish and she is killing Nazis. So I wanted to evoke a similar feeling of like being vengeful towards your persecutors. And so a lot of times in American culture, that is the black American. So I looked... I looked all around. I actually looked at like to Kendrick Lamar. I looked at a lot of hip hop in general. I ended up landing actually on Nina Simone. Now this one doesn't quite exact. Again, it is not. It doesn't totally fit in this context, but it's it's my film, um, and I like the idea of it sort of being a almost a prayer um, before you're about to do something bad. Uh, and so I went with Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. And, like, that's, to me, when I listen, you know, that song is about something specific. But to me, like, she is expressing this, like, a it's a plea. And I like that idea of it being a plea, like a bargain, a... Um, 
don't don't judge me for this. Don't judge me for this. Don't persecute me for this. I'm doing it for what I think are the right reasons. So that's what I based it off of. There's a lot of strain in her voice. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I mean, Nina Simone is all about the strain. And talk about tension, man. That rubber band. Whew. She always gives that. Whew. She always gives that rubber band Nina. to you. Like it's like, oh my god. She is telling us. Listen to what she has to say because she's telling. She's you straining it for a reason. Absolutely. Mm. It's to tell a story. It's to like feel that conviction. And I just love that idea of like it playing over, like thinking of of even Nina Simone like dressing for this moment, you know. And her just like putting her makeup on in, in this song playing even. just some, Or someone, just, I mean, anybody really, but it's like this song playing in the background of being like, you know, oh God, please Lord, don't let me be misunderstood. Of you know, course, it's just yeah. like this pleading of just understand why I'm doing well, what I'm doing in the yeah. way that I'm going about it. Because how could you, how could anybody do something like commit like revenge without wondering? <laughs> yeah. Are people going to understand? Why I did that? Am I going to be a villain yeah. or am I going to be remembered as like a hero? Mm-hmm. How will like, the history In my mind, I'm a hero. Exactly. So I'd be, I hope important in your own mind. Yeah, everybody understands. My friends understand, but mm-hmm. does the history book understand? Right. Yeah, the, right. Will the exactly. history books. Is it obvious why? Tell I did my this? story as yeah. a hero. Because to me, my life experience, it's so obvious to me. But other people, who have, depending on who wins this fight, you know how this gets written down. That's the way. Pe- that's the perception people are going to have of it. That and it's is that prayer before you do that. That is a beautiful, like Thanks. auteur sort of interpretation of revenge. Like it a very get into the mind the the higher uh, ethics of revenge. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I took so it there. on the higher ethics of revenge, Kevin. <laughs> this is excellent I, segue yeah. <laughs> to Kevin answering. Kevin, so it is your turn to try to convince Reed that you have the best answer. All right. Well, Bailey made me f- really because she struggled with this. Made me think about this answer. I had to revisit this twice. <laughs> I'm glad that I. I'm so happy that <coughs> we were against each other in this. But Re- f- revenge seems to be our weak subject. So. Well, she <laughs> is right in that that David Bowie song is like a perfect song about revenge, but. And, you know, but for my, like, revenge scene, like, preparing for revenge, um, I finally sort of settled on TV on the radio's first album is called uh, Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes. And it sort of, uh, that, like, phrase sort of, like, played in my head and drew me to that album. And there is a song called Dreams on that album. It's their first album. And this is a song that's sort of, it's about, it's like sort of pointing the finger, being like, why did you have to go and be like such an asshole? Like you could have just, why did you have to like come in here and like just purposely hurt somebody? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like calling somebody out. Like you could have just walked away. You could have like not, and now it's all like, coming like to a head like now it's all changed and it's over yeah man oh man and there's again with the tension tv on the radio oh man especially um is it tunde is that his name Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
he has that, stra- that s- a similar, that straining that we were talking about with Nina Simone. Like, there's a straining to his voice as well, where he's, like, really, like, there's a pleading mm-hmm. to it. I couldn't agree more. You could have. Ooh, yeah. He'll toad to another place. There's, like, one specific like I really want to, like, point out, which is... Um, in my maybe I'm the fool, but I think we'd find that we could all be so so kind if you just leave your treadmill power trip behind. Just leave your treadmill power, power trip behind. Power trip behind. And it's just like calling somebody out, being like you're like acting insane yeah. and like totally just like blew everything up. And it's like I'm calling you out and I'm taking you down. Yeah, you're on this sort of just like this. You're just kind of going and I have to stop you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like nothing. Uh, it, you're yeah. just automatic and mm-hmm. like that needs to end. Nazis are treadmills. Yeah. Oh my you God. You got to cut yeah. them off. Absolutely. Because they're just going to keep wrong. going Fuck that shit. until they rule everything. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Nazis. <laughs> you heard it here you first, heard it here you first folks. <laughs> Resonates super true today. <laughs> we are. Hashtag hope that's not the first Nazis. time you've heard that. <laughs> Bring that, bring them down. Let's stop them. Let's end them with our song choices. <laughs> this thing again. This sort of around the theme of getting dressed for revenge. Mm-hmm. This playing while you're doing this sort of routine thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're just sort of like getting ready for your day, but like your day is about <laughs> to go a very gotta, different direction. Yeah. And this being that thing that's a like you know that your day is a about to be different and to sort of follow up like on uh, play off of your answer it's mm-hmm. like yeah feel free this <laughs> is making sure everybody understands why he's doing revenge he's this is like him writing his manifesto exactly yes wanting people to understand why you did it. i had to take this guy down yeah it was ne- necessary okay so follow Jason, up since man. I'm, I'm the <laughs> last one left on this <laughs> i had you? a okay. tough time as well nice. and i came up for this playlist, my head was in songs without lyrics for for a lot of it. For sure, it's soundtrack. And I uh, like studying music. No, think of composers who create songs based on like projecting an extreme version of a certain feel. And uh, Steve Reich and I actually found this song because I recently found a Pauline Oliveros record and really wanted to buy it and wasn't able to. So <laughs> then I went home because it was expensive. And then I came home and I listened to, I was listening to it. And then on the related artists, I I don't, I like watching Steve Reich's music performed. On, like I've watched YouTube videos of it, but I typically don't listen to it because I love the technical aspect of it. But anyway, uh, this is from his Music for 18 Musicians performances, uh, records, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But uh, for what I found was on Spotify um, under the Steve Reich name. And this is the particular movement called Pulses. Again, that slow buildup, which I think is super important mm-hmm. with uh, this theme, with this prompt. So Steve Reich's music goes on a loop typically, Mm -hmm. and it is literally 18 musicians reading music all at the same time. 
and trying to and playing and they build this really intense loop a lot of times. Wow. That becomes kind of overwhelming. It, yeah. It's to the point that it almost numbs your auditory senses. I mean, yeah, this is very cool. It's, it's so conceptual. And again, There's this is all instrumental. Is this all, all instrumental? This is all instrumental. These are like real musicians playing these wow. instruments. Because um, well, the atmosphere a, that this is creating is so. He is an avant-garde modern mm-hmm. composer who yeah. is able to conceptualize and articulate and understand what's going to happen. But he has multiple albums that are like music for so-and-so musicians, and it's that many musicians who get on stage and perform it. And it's all. And a lot of times, the musician will have to move from instrument to instrument. Anyway. Yeah. Wow. I digress. No, I love that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, oh, so we all thought about it so differently. And so I love that. for getting dressed for revenge, um, kind of seg- finding my way into kind of this avant-garde music over the past week, I was able to see that vision. And whenever I was watching this scene, it kind of was this pulse that was building and 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 just like never gave up on that. Mm -hmm. And it's, which I think resonates with something both of you have said that Mm -hmm. will, will everyone else know that this is for the right thing? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know, and I'm going to keep, pushing forward, mm-hmm. trying to do whatever I can for the Total cause, whatever that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's a it's a triumphant feel, and I think this particular track managed to convey that. So, anyway, um, uh, against all technical aspects, like, I think th- the manner in which this song was composed happens to just embody the feeling of, like, I'm going to get revenge, and this is for me so well. And so I chose Steve Rack music for 18 musicians pulses. Yeah. And I, again, I think it's so important. Like all three of us, again, took that sort of idea of building, which is so crucial, I think, in that scene where it is this sort of building that sort of getting in your mind, like you were saying, like getting into the head, like the mind space of like what I'm about to do. And there is this like, anxiety is just building yourself up you're confident about the decision that you've made but it's hard not to question all of it you know like you're about to do something bad and that that was at the core of what i think all three of us felt was that Mm -hmm. you know like is this for the right thing Mm -hmm. and you know revenge is always bittersweet and i think um there's something to that yeah, so, so no pressure, Reed, but... Yeah, uh, Reed. yeah <laughs> who the so best host is. <laughs> comes to you. There's two bad hosts. <laughs> the other host... No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. So your options are Don't Let It Be Misunderstood by Nina Simone, Bailey's Choice, mm-hmm. Dreams, TV on the Radio, and Music for 18 Musicians, Pulses, Steve Wright. So I think I'm going to have to go with... Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, Nina yeah. Simone. Yes. Wow. Very good. Presented yes. by Bailey. <gasps> oh, my God. I just also need to thank, you know, my parents or something. No, not my parents. Fuck my parents. Yeah, fuck <laughs> so my parents. Tell us <laughs> why. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and Inglorious Bastards in that scene, that woman has gone through so fucking much. Yeah. And uh, she's worked for the past hour to get where she was. All in which involved pain and suffering. Yeah. And um, she's there to do her shit. And uh, I think Nina Simone perfectly resembles that. And yeah. With, I don't know anything about Nina Simone, but I can hear in her voice and her yeah. strain that she ran through quite a bit, quite a bit just to get the platform to express what she had to say. Oh, fuck uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I've never even listened. I don't know a single thing about Nina Simone. Uh, but she just is. through her voice, I can tell that. And that means a lot, obviously. Yeah. 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 Really cool. She's cool compliment. So epic. So Dude, beautiful. And I did. I this one I really struggled with, so I'm like so happy that it paid off because it was it was really you tough a really to great answer. get that um, evoke that emotion. And I think you're so right. I think that that's a, she just evokes like oh my god, like struggle, but then perseverance. You know what I mean? Like in her voice, I think she's always evoking those feelings, like simultaneously, that's which is insane. That's yeah. really cool. That's a yeah. Great uh, articulation of like what she's a symbol of. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Great choice. Yes. So you guys yeah. suck. You're actually fired. So. <laughs> yeah, we are <laughs> the two bad hosts. Just my <laughs> show. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, okay. Read. Uh, I've got a question for you now. Ooh. Are you ready? Me. You. Okay. So this is a gang hanging out in a dystopian futuristic bar. This is maybe something you've seen in prior movies, specifically hmm. maybe yeah. What strange, right? I'm interested. Is it ringing? Maybe it's you it's know something. This reminds me tickling. of the opening scene. Is it tickling you? Of there gosh. it is. What is it? What, what is, is that, that movie? What's the prompt again? Clockwork. <laughs> Orange. Uh, yeah, so you might have seen this in Clockwork Orange. Clockwork <laughs> Orange. There, <laughs> there it is. is. Yeah. There it is. There oh, it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Terrifying movie about little. I have an idea. Bastards running amok. <laughs> I hate them. So there's this uh, hip hop song called XXX by Danny Brown. Okay. That I think just exceeds time. And what music is supposed to sound like at a certain time, especially Ooh, yeah. in the sense of hip hop. This song just kind of like bends and warps. Like I get Ooh. hints of sax from like Blade Runner, and then his the voice there. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Danny Brown? No. Oh, this song is yeah. incredible. No, I'm not familiar with this, Danny Brown. This might be my favorite hip hop song of all time. Wow! Wow! Holy wow. shit! Really hip hop cool. is my bread and butter. Wow! Really? His lyricism in this is just insane. That sort of like okay, so I've been listening, kind of a little bit off of what you're saying. Like I've been listening to this um, hip hop group called Earth Gang lately, yeah, yeah. and that sort of like other world. He has this that similar to me at least. Uh, that's kind of otherworldly, like alien type yeah. of like that that voice, like what he's delivering. So is it's mm -hmm. it's a dystopian future. What is what is your dystopian future, and why is this playing? Yeah. 
What does that mm. look like? What does a dystopian future bar look like? Yeah. Like, you know, Shit. Kubrick had all it's these, either like, Kubrick classical, where it's like, statues. Everything is white. Yeah. And yeah. the walls go up mm. 50 feet. Yeah. This, very there's sterile. tables that everything are bright is. red and everything else is completely white. Yeah. I see, like, Supreme stickers on everything <laughs> when this song is playing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like that's, it's uh, that's a dystopian future. Supreme is the only brand. They won all of the all the other brands. all of the merchandise they wars. Every other yep, brand, exactly. Yeah. They sold like everything with a Supreme sticker on it <laughs> and managed to like all the wealth in the world. And this is what they are doing with it. Everything is Supreme. So yeah, I mean, like there are no other brands. So it's either I drink Supreme milk. It's either all <laughs> sterile like that. Or you're saying, or it's at like a rundown cafe. Yeah. Some sort of futuristic, like. Or the windows are barred up with plywood, and there's posters from 20 years ago that yeah. are rotting on the walls. Yeah. And everybody's wearing docks that have been handed down five generations. Well, I easily Ooh. see the song playing with all of that. Wow. And I think it could be playing with either one. Because so of true. especially the instrumental and the guitar riffs and the synths just like gliding through his lyricism. I kind of want to go down. I like the idea, though, of it being more of like this, um, uh, like I don't uh, even even less than blue collar, like this story, this futuristic story, almost like District 9. Yeah. Where it's like that that is a futuristic story about this, you know, um, not that it has to be, well, I don't know. I kind of love the idea of it being about aliens. But anyway. Let's uh, make it about aliens. Let's make it about aliens. Again, with that voice, man, like the way that he's delivering these Danny lyrics. Danny Brown's so delivery, for sure. Otherworldly. His voice is just as versatile of an instrument as the synths and the guitar that are flying through it. Yeah. His tone and his yes. pitch changes every single song. Wow. And wow. he can... Bringing it back to Clockwork Orange, we're focusing on this bar of sadistic, not sadistic. They're not in the mm. same. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, they're pretty sadists, fucked yeah. up. They're fucked yeah, up. Fucked up. Yeah. They're fucked up. <laughs> I know that. Kind of sadist. Wearing their fucking black fedoras. Uh, <laughs> with just a white. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Milady. I already God, hate dude. you. <laughs> yeah. In their white suits. Listening and to Mozart. Danny Brown is just like so opposite of that everything (laughs) and that and uh i think that's what they represent as well they've they're pissed of culture and um they're gonna make you pay for it Mm -hmm. even though it's not your fault yeah yeah sure danny brown doesn't give a shit and he's gonna sound different at all costs and uh yeah yeah absolutely that's so well put because like every time I've ever heard a Danny Brown song, that's what I always get from it. It's just like, whoa, this guy like doesn't care what his voice sounds like on the mix. He is just going for it. And like I don't know. And my favorite songs of his are the ones where he's not even in some goofy pitch. It's where he's like really dark and talking about drugs and how they affect people really. And so talk cool. about confidence as far yeah. as like is we were talking about... He's like a clown. Right? And you have to be a certain of, level yeah. of confident when you're playing that caricature. Like, yeah. when you're being that, 
you have to be confident in just in any like um, creative. We were talking about this earlier. Any creative place, there's a vulnerability to that. You have to have a certain confidence to be that vulnerable in front of lots of people. And it's like to and I think that that intro scene of Clockwork Orange does exude that, it, you know, it's like, boom, you know, and it's that it's the title page and then it's yeah. like boom and it's that kid's face and he's just he is very confident of who he is and i think um danny brown puts on a clown fit not because necessarily he wants to but i think it's the only way that people listen to what yeah. he has to say is he has sure. to be unique and original and different because nobody's gonna listen to him if he's like everyone else and i think that's how um, the people in Clockwork Orange see themselves yep. as they have to dress up in big outfits and fedoras and mascara on one eye because they need people to listen to them. And the only way people are going to listen to them is if they don't blend in with everyone else. If you're extreme. So well put. Absolutely. I really like that. Absolutely. I think they mirror one another. It for gets sure. people's attention for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So we just truly appreciate you being here tonight, Reed. Uh, Thank where you so can much. we find you online? Instagram. Reed dot Calder R E E D period C A L D E R, um, and then Vimeo dot com backslash Reed Calder R E E D C A L D E R, really awesome. Yeah. And we will have links to Reed's websites um, when we post this episode, and yeah. we can't wait for you to hear all of our amazing selections. Yay. Super stoked! Really glad you were able. So to So much make fun it having you on the show, everybody. Yeah, definitely really cool. go check out all of his movies. Yeah, they're really well all done. This film. And there I will be more. Yeah, check us out at Real to Feel. That's on Instagram as well as Twitter, and uh, check out our Spotify playlist. We have links up on our Instagram to get to our Spotify playlist as well as obviously our SoundCloud link, um, which hopefully you figured that out, and that's why you're here listening to this right now. Um, but anyway, now head over to the playlist and listen to that for your movie-making vibes. Um, but yeah, until next time, peace out. Keep it real. <laughs>